We're looking in 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, by this time in Peter's life he had gained quite a little experience about the word and the ministry and he'd matured a lot from his from his early days and so it's great to read and study the the verses that were inspired by the spirit for us today and so we're in 1st Peter 1st Peter chapter 2 reading at verse 9 ye but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who in times past were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy let's pray thank you heavenly father for the precious words that we have here so much in so few verses considering our life that we have in Christ Jesus now Lord it might be a blessing to us as we consider these thoughts tonight For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're looking at the responsibility of Christians in verses 1 to 12. So don't lose sight of that. And we've looked in verses 1 and 3 at growing believers. Uh, We've looked at believers being building blocks, lively stones, verse 5. We've looked at um, the, the... Lord Jesus, we are to behold the beloved in verse 4, 6 and 8. Now we're looking at the behaviour, our responsibility to behave as believer priests. Last week we just considered, we went back to verse 5 and just considered the last few words of that year where it says, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, you're a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, by Jesus Christ and we considered the word holy we are a holy priesthood <clears throat> we considered the thought what is acceptable to God and we answered that question by asking another question what was acceptable to God so you go back into Leviticus we went back to Leviticus 8 and looked at the standard for priests and it was high <laughs> Don't do the wrong thing. Don't bring strange fire. We didn't consider them. Nadab and Abihu, Eli's sons, brought strange fire on the altar. That was it for them. <laughs> the end of their life. We looked at uh, us trying to stay the ark and other instances where God's holiness is just instantly evident that he didn't approve of what was being done. <laughs> we have a church in the world today that doesn't esteem God's holiness and doesn't take account of it, that he, he is still the same and he, we are holy people. And um, <clears throat> then we looked at that, that thought that's in verse 5, acceptable, <laughs> where it, um, acceptable to God. Sacrifice is acceptable. There are some sacrifices that are not acceptable. Would you bring it to the king? Remember, we looked at that. And uh, <clears throat> we didn't finish that but just a thought at the end remember there was a sacrifice that was acceptable it was given by a widow and it was 
two mites, the smallest amount of money that a Roman coin was, two mites. And the Lord Jesus looked and said, see, she just gave more than everybody else. <laughs> she gave all her living, it said. She gave 100%. And that two mites would go a lot further than the two billion that the other guy put in who see me putting this in, you know. Um, <clears throat> drop it from a high point so people see it. Well, <clears throat> we've, we'll move on to the, to the next point. And we see the behaviour as believer priest, our required practice, and now our remarkable position in the Lord in verse 9 that we started, where we started reading tonight. A remarkable position. First, God's sublime, sublime purpose. We are a chosen generation. A chosen generation. A generation. Think of generations back in the Bible that, were, that had particular things happen that were spectacular and different to all the other generations in between them. A chosen generation. And I know we're, going to, we're going, to, going to get back to the church as a chosen generation. But think of, can you name a few? Abraham between Abraham and Moses. Okay. Moses, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, Moses' time. We've been looking yeah. at the morning service. A chosen generation. Yeah. A generation that would, saw spectacular things. But because of their disbelief, we're going to all die in the desert. God wants to use us and we need to be ready to be usable. Another generation that was a chosen generation had some wonderful things happen in their time, in Bible history. Noah's generation. that He saw such wickedness and such rottenness in the community, such degradation. Do you feel like you're Noah sometimes? In our generation, I, we do, don't we? With the things they're trying to push and pressure and change in our society, change the norms, nothing stays the same anymore. We keep changing the, changing the boundaries. Whether it be in churches, in society. <clears throat> yeah. Noah's generation, he saw spectacular things. That, any other generation? Noah saw rain they'd never seen before. <laughs> they all saw it before they died too. Anything else spectacular? Yeah. When the Lord Jesus came to earth. Yeah, yeah, he waited for the consolation of Israel. Yeah. Um, was it Zacharias in the temple? And and I was I was thinking he's just a you know, reasonably old man, but there was a calculation I read about the other day. He was in his hundreds. He'd waited and he waited and he'd waited. It'd be like today, we wait for the Lord to come. Wait, wait. Go and get a long wait. We had one. But the Messiah and and the miracles and the wonderful things, that, that were a chosen generation, really. And uh, you see, God, God chooses us within the chosen generation and we have special privileges in that special time. Is there any other words where... Places where you think a generation that and, and, and wonderful things happened. Maybe in the future. <laughs> what about Matthew chapter, um, is it 24? This generation shall not pass away. It, it's not ours. 
I used to think it was. It's not. It's it's a generation in that sees all the things of the tribulation. It will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. It'll happen, and it will be spectacular, dangerously spectacular. You wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> Remember Adolf years and years ago, before he became a Christian, what did he say? <laughs> Chris? Oh, the, the rupture. <laughs> we talked about rapture, and you talked about rupture. But <laughs> what else did he, he say? What was that, Doug? Yeah, <laughs> that that's exactly. He said, I got through the... Are you watching, Adolf? <laughs> Remember saying that? <laughs> I got I got through the... What desert did he get through? Sneaking up. Hey, well, <laughs> and uh, he said, if I can do that, I can get it. Uh, he doesn't know what... He didn't understand then what the tribulation is going to be like, but it chose a, genera- a generation. What about the generation, and I think we're it, <laughs> that's going to be part of the rapture of the church? That's the special privilege because that's what it says when it talks about it. You know, there's a dead in Christ, we raise first, then we which are alive and remain. You know, we're a chosen generation. Well, here in this verse, it talks about a chosen generation. And, you know, this is not the first time it's set apart a group of people in the church. Because back in Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, we won't turn there, but it talks about a holy people, a chosen people, and a peculiar people. Does that sound familiar with what we just read here? <clears throat> and who was it talking about? The Jews. The Jews. And that's why this verse, this verse, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 to 16 are so prominent in the thinking of those that don't believe in a millennium. Can you see what they're going to say? Uh, Deuteronomy 14.2, talking about the Jews. Well, we're just an extension of the Jewish nation and we take all the promises on ourselves. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. and It sounds Jewish if you start thinking that way. And that's what they think. And they, they say that <clears throat> the portion there in Galatians, the Israel of God, they're the two portions they get a hold of and say, this is it. This shows all the all of, and they hinge their whole doctrine on those two verses, basically. Mm-hmm. This one and that. But it's a different, as we'll see tonight. Let's turn to Ephesians, <clears throat> a chosen generation. What are other words that we think of when we think of chosen people? Christians are, are being, as being chosen. Set apart. Set apart people? Other words that theologians try to confuse us with. <laughs> Predestination. Predestination, there's one. Another one that goes with that. Election? Did I hear? Election. Yes. <clears throat> uh, predestination. Election. Chosen. Um, and we need to read them in their context when we read them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, before we existed, like we looked at on Sunday, 
were written in the Lamb's Book of Life uh, <clears throat> before the foundation of the world as well. That'd be a good study. Before the foundation of the world, we were written in the book. Before the foundation of the world, we were chosen. Before the foundation of the world, all our members were written. Now, yeah. where's my pen? I'll write it down. <laughs> that you could think of it and go through that. But chosen before in Him, in Christ, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love through. Not our, sanctifi- not our cleansing of ourselves and our own holiness, but through his holiness imparted to us without blame before him in love. Having, here's the next one, predestinated us to the adoption of sons. <clears throat> adoption happens, it's completed when the rapture happens. And we think of adoption, oh, when we got saved. No, adoption is that. And there's a verse, and I can't remember it, that plainly tells us so, predestinated us unto the adoption of sons. And that predestination has to do with children, uh, Christians, with Christians in every context that it's used. <clears throat> unto us the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according as the good pleasure of his will. And so there's a, a few words used there about the choosing, the holiness, the predestination of God's people. And we go to chapter 2, verse 11 of Ephesians. God's sublime purpose, a chosen generation. And here we read, Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, and all the Old Testament things, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made one, both one, Jew and Gentile, and have broken down that middle wall of petition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments, contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man, (laughs) so making peace. He's broken down the wall between Jew and Gentile to make twain two one, a new man, a new creation, a chosen generation. And came and preached peace to you that were far off and to them were nigh. And you read through the book of Acts. And when the the Apostle Paul, I think it was the Apostle Paul, was speaking to the Jews. And they said, no, no, no. And started getting angry and mad with him as they always did. And he said, well, you don't want it. I'm going to turn. And he he literally would have turned around and looked at the Gentiles gathered, you know, trying to hear. (laughs) I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to give them the opportunity. (laughs) Because he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but he always went to the Jew first when he went to town, then got basically kicked out and talked to the Gentiles and, and made those Jewish believers who would believe and those Gentiles one, twain, a holy nation, a different people. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We're no more strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens. You see the nation thing coming in here? Fellow citizens. As you talk about nation, you, you talk about um, 
citizenship, yes, citizenship, visas and things like that with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation and apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And all the building fitly framed together a sublime purpose, a chosen generation. There's the elect, we're elected of God and we haven't time to look at all of these. Colossians 3.12 election spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Um, <clears throat> but let's go and consider Matthew 22 and verse 44. Oh no, 14. 20, 22 verse 14. There we read... <clears throat> Maybe I just should have quoted this. It's a very short verse. <laughs> Many, it talked about the, the man, bind him hand and foot and take him. He didn't have the wedding garment on and, and throw him out. Cast him into outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen into this generation, into this chosen generation. Many are called. On, sun, on the basis of Sunday's message, remember <clears throat> we talked about the book of life? How many, see if you can answer the question, how many people's names have ever been in the book of life? All. Everyone. Because before the foundation of the world they were written in there. That's everyone. Many are called. How many are called? All. All. <laughs> The many. <laughs> That's, he's getting my, my line of thinking. If, but few are. How come? Because, because few choose. Only a few are chosen. And, and to give a biblical base of that, let's go to Peter. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. When Mel was doing the children's lessons, she was getting into some pretty heavy stuff there <laughs> in the predestination and things and election. I just I listened in hard to see said she was doctrinally sound. <laughs> she did she did well. <clears throat> but um first Peter, you don't know who's listening when you're preaching on that sort of thing, do you? <laughs> or when you're teaching. But here, first Peter chapter one and verse two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. He, this is the word election comes up, this chosen generation. Elected according to the foreknowledge of God knew way back then. He called everyone of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Elected according to God's foreknowledge. He knew we would choose and, and he, he knew our reaction. He, 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 look, he knows the hairs, the number of the hairs on our head. That, what, why? <laughs> why take notice of that? He knows when a sparrow falls. I've been feeding the sparrows lately. Even the blackbirds, I never thought I would. <laughs> I even got Mr. Mitchell. Remember Bruce Mitchell? Because <laughs> he had a double-storey house in East Albury and he hated blackbirds. I can say this because he's not around. It's not gonna, he's not going to get into trouble. But uh, he hated blackbirds. He had an air gun, a slug gun, we called it. <laughs> and um, he could stand up on his 
back porch, which was a couple of stories up, and he could shoot down in his yard the blackbirds. They get pretty cunning. They, they, you, you carry a gun outside and they'll fly out. They'll know you're after them. So he said, Pastor, I'll take care of your blackbirds. They're eating all my grapes. They're ruining the grapes, pecking on them. And so he come round and he set himself there and he said, it's too low, I can't shoot down, it'll shoot into the neighbour's place, so I can't do it. <laughs> or, or you hear twing, twing, <laughs> against the fence as the bullets hit the fence. They wouldn't go through, they're only a slug gun. Anyway, not even, I went to buy one to do the job, and they said, you have to have a, a, this and you have to have that, and ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> I'll catch him in a rat trap instead. <clears throat> How did I get on that? Yes, and you know the sparrows that fall. Now I feed them, and the and the blackbirds that fall. He knows all those things, doesn't he? Know when we get saved, when we heard the gospel, does he not know? And will he not open the book on the day of judgment and say your name was there? It's gone. And I'm sure the one real thing that will be brought up at the great white throne judgment will be remember. When such and such spoke to you. Remember when you were at that funeral and your heart was moved by the Holy Spirit. Remember when you received that track in the mail and it really got to you. And you got angry and ran the preacher and told him off. (laughs) There'll be people everywhere. Remember when the school teacher talked to you about it in school. They have their opportunity. You see, that will be brought up. That was your day of salvation. But you chose to reject the message and the messenger usually. And that'll be a terrible thing. You know, the regrets, the eternal regrets of people when God has spoken to them and they don't get saved. Well, we are a chosen generation because we have chosen to follow the Lord. We've obeyed the gospel. In an article here from Regular Baptist Press, it says, The nation, Israel, was the elect of God. But the church is something new, a chosen generation. The elect people from every tribe and tongue, a nation who, has, who are begotten into this new family by a spiritual regeneration and, and new birth. We go to the next point, and there it's on the WhatsApp, the outline we see, a remarkable position, a sublime purpose, a <coughs> God's sovereign priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. <laughs> Believers are then a royal priesthood. This combination of duty and privilege was unknown in the Old Testament. The Levitical priests were not kings and the Davidic kings were not priests. And woe betide the individual that tried to make themselves one what they weren't in the Old Testament. Let's look at a few. So to the Jews, this saying, chosen generation royal priesthood, that would have really... Nah. nah. You know how, as a a Westerner, and you hear about communism, the way they do things, you say, what? (laughs) Nah, don't work like that. (laughs) And the Jews would say, nah, don't work like that. Can't be a royal priesthood. Kings and priests are separated. Kings and priests don't have 
don't, don't intrude upon each other's offices. And so it was a strange thing. <clears throat> no king could do priestly activities and no priest could do the kingly activities. Um, <clears throat> remember, there were a few that tried. Even David couldn't do the priestly business. When he was running away there, he had to get permission of the priest to give him some bread because he was hungry, and that priest, that priest died for doing it when the enemy's Saul's, Saul's men come and saw, caught him or, or found out that he'd done it. And it was, yeah, yeah, I fed the king. I fed the king to be. That was it for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uzziah tried this in Second Chronicles 26 and verse 16 to 21. The priest didn't come. The enemy was approaching. Things were desperate. And so he went and offered the sacrifice. And well, I think it was Samuel turned up. And, and Samuel didn't have to be told what he just said to him. What have you done? <laughs> You know? What have you done? Uh, <clears throat> Saul tried it and he lost his kingdom from First Samuel 13 verse 8. It talks about that. And the king <clears throat> Uzziah, when he did this, he was dragged out. He was, by the priest, the Levites it says, were dragged out of the temple where he'd done it and he was resisting for a little bit. Then he saw it, he just instantly turned leprous and he saw it. And he himself got made haste and got out. From that point on, he couldn't live with anyone but himself. He was in isolation. He was in isolation. <laughs> isolation. Self-isolation, by the way. The Jews <laughs> were doing this way, way back. Yeah. What we're doing now, they'd learned to do it a long time before any nation. In fact, <clears throat> when the plagues went through the world... The Jewish people suffered the least amount because they run by the Levitical laws which taught separation and isolation so that they didn't spread the disease. And I was just reading this week of the, um, in the death camps that the, a plague, typhoid, what, I think it was, came into the camp and they separated the Jews within there, the doctors there said, let's separate, isolate them. And the Germans said they all should have died, but they didn't. There was only about 10% of them died because they were emancipated, they were skinny, they had no food, they had no health, they had very little ability, but they isolated and they, a lot of them survived that, that plague. But <clears throat> priesthood and kingship, different, different in this, let's look at some interesting thoughts here. Before we go there, turning to the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> what priesthood is the Lord Jesus likened to or paralleled with or from where does he derive his priesthood? Because he wasn't a Levite. What tribe was the Lord Jesus from? Judah. He was from the tribe of Judah. And they well, what, who, what priest comes from Judah? <laughs> a, a king. A king can come from Judah. And Jesus was a king too. But he's also a high priest. He is today. So, John, you're right. 
So what, where did he derive his priesthood from? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. He, and he arched over, bypassed Aaron altogether. And when did Melchizedek, Chizedek, whatever you call him, live? During Abraham's time, because Abraham offered him sacrifice, uh, uh, um, a tithe. So it was way before the Aaronic priesthood, which was hundreds of years later. So that, that hadn't even developed. And let's read in Hebrews where we're going to, chapter 7. <clears throat> Royal priesthood. We are a different group. We are a ch the church is a special people. Count it a privilege that you're born in this time. We just take it for granted. The Old Testament people and even the Jews now. As Andrew said to me the other day, he said they're softening. He said when I first got there and ever mentioned Jesus Christ to an Orthodox Jew, they would go off. They'd just explode. He said, but no, now some of them have said to him, he said, May, they, they have said, maybe Jesus was our Messiah. I thought, well, you're breaking some ground because that's, that's... Now, that was the younger ones, the ones that hadn't been taught by their rabbis and, and locked into a system, a deadly system. But <clears throat> here in Hebrews 7, we read this. And you follow the train of thought of what, we, what we're thinking about here, that Jesus is a priest... And we're believer priests. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God. Did you hear that? This Melchizedek, what is he? A priest of the most high God. Back up a little bit. King of Salem. King of Salem. Of what? Salem. Jerusalem. Of Jerusalem. Priest, priest, king, priest. You see, this is before the ironic priesthood that were forbidden to be kings. Our most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being by interpretation, king, king of righteousness. And after that, king of Salem, of Jerusalem. And king of peace. Don't they fit the Lord Jesus to a T? Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like us... Son of God abideth a priest continually. <clears throat> Again, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, abides a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave <clears throat> a tenth of the spoils. And verily they are of the son they who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. See, he, Melchizedek, was not of Aaron's line. He was before that. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. <laughs> and here... Men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham to the better, to the greater, to the Melchizedek, to the likes of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
whom priest, whose, whose priesthood the Lord Jesus follows, not the Aaronic priesthood. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him, met Abraham. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? That is, the Lord Jesus was not called after the order of Aaron. For this priesthood being changed, there is a made of necessity a change also of the law. Now, for a Jew to read this, it would give them understanding. For a Gentile, it's, well, what's all this about? It's, it's fairly hard to digest. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave utterance at the altar, the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus was from. No utterance at the altar. Where's the Judaite here? No, they're all Levites. They're doing the job. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. Yet he can be a priest and a king because he is from Melchizedek. Arched backward over Aaron to them to the, at that time. For it is yet far more evident, for after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of carnal commandments like the Levites, but after the power of an endless life the Lord Jesus. And, <clears throat> and this is why the Hebrew, Hebrews is written to the Hebrews to make them understand that Jesus <laughs> is their high priest. Done away with the priesthood. Tore the, tore the, um, what the curtain and uh, we can go right in. And so <clears throat> it's a special place that we have as Christians. We are a royal priesthood and thirdly we are a holy nation. <clears throat> Our remarkable position. We are to behave as priests because of our remarkable position. A sublime purpose, a sovereign priesthood, and a God-selected people, a holy, a holy nation. Now, this is the phrase that the amiable people latch on to. We're back in Peter, chapter 2. A holy nation. See? We're the nation of Israel. We just continued on. They've lost all the privileges and all the blessings, and we've got them all. Let me say this. If you want to believe that, then take the curses too. And they don't talk about the curses when they talk about the blessings. That's what they refuse to take. Wow. And and be driven to Babylon and go into captivity and all the curses if you don't obey the law of Moses. Um, This does not mean a chosen race of of earthly people as Israel was, but a body of believers made up from all nations. <clears throat> Nation here in the in the Greek is ethnos. Ethnicity. Uh, what ethnic group are you from? You know, we're from the nations, and it usually refers to Gentiles or a multitude. <clears throat> Let me read what Phillips wrote about this portion of scripture, about these three things. A holy, a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. 
I didn't look at the verses. We are holy. We are royal. We are priests and kings. Revelation 1 6, 2 Timothy 2 12 talk about Christians as being just that. We are, in, as it were, under the Lord Jesus as the church. He's the royal priest. But thinking now of this holy nation, he writes So God already had a chosen people. And an ordained priesthood. He also had a nation in mind. He has replaced not only the chosen people with a chosen generation and a Levitical priesthood with a holy, a royal priesthood, but also the rebellious Christ-rejecting nation, Israel, with a holy nation. He's replaced, he's re- replaced it. We are different. I'm not preaching replacement theology. <laughs> I said, you know, I, when I said that word, I wanted to change it straight away. <laughs> All these descriptions of the New Testament church have special meaning and significance for Jewish believers who are called elsewhere in Galatians 6.16, the Israel of God. I did ask once because Angie was here and I knew that Angie has Israel Jewish heritage <clears throat> and I said and, and I was just looking at it but she didn't respond <laughs> I said are there any people who think they're uh, an Israel of God here and so I further described it I said you're a saved Jew <laughs> she still didn't get it anyway <laughs> someone else put their hand up and I go I thought, my goodness, I know where they are doctrinally because they think that they're the, and they're Jewish. I could make a claim. I told Andrew to, the other, a few months ago, I said, our names, Yokel, means son of Jacob. But that could be someone, we had a relative called Jacob back there. But... <clears throat> If I went to Israel and said Yokel, they just identify me as one of them. That's what they have done even in Australia. But And Andrew's all excited, weren't you, Andrew? I think he listens live to this one because he's already up and running. But we, <coughs> we move on and he said this, the description of the church in the New Testament as a nation or a kingdom is unusual. The Lord used the term kingdom in a spiritual sense when he responded to Pilate's challenge. Pilate asked, Art thou king of the Jews? But he evaded the political implications in that question. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. Now, we, we, we do sing and we talk and we say and we read about the Lord being king. It's not evident yet. Right now, what is he? What is he for the church? Presently, he's the great high priest. He's the head of the body. Uh, He's the cornerstone of the building and all these things that are mentioned in the Bible. I shy away from talking about the church as being a kingdom (laughs) for the reason that people get a misconception of it and of the Lord Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world. He said in John eighteen thirty three and 36. 
The Roman Catholic Church has taken the idea of the church as being a kingdom literally and has sought for centuries to establish a global earthly kingdom. You see what they're pushing at. You see why they're doing it. Because they've got the wrong concept. The church is not a kingdom to take over the world. The tiny nation of the Vatican within Italy is ruled by the Pope. In fact, when this corona thing got going, it really got going just above them, in, in the, where the Lollards used to be, yeah, just north, northern Italy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so it's taken it literally. That we're to build a kingdom, and the Catholic Church has done that. It's got its head of state. It has its ambassadors. It has its government. It has its army. In the heyday of its power, the papacy entered into alliances with various European powers. It sent armies to war the, um, against the Muslims, what were they called, the Crusades, Crusaders. It meddled the affairs of the nations of the world. And according to Revelation 17, the harlot rides the beast. <laughs> the Catholic Church will be riding the beast, right? the kings of the world, right to the end. It disposed kings and hurled its anathemas across the world. The Pope acted like a king ruling over a nation because he's got a misconception of this. He's got a wrong understanding. And let's go, let's, for goodness sake, don't go down that path. And uh, <clears throat> that's where the AML thing hits. And, and they used to teach that we're going to bring in the kingdom. We're not. Increasingly, it's getting worse. And the Bible said it would, the church would... At the end, shall he find faith? That's not a takeover, that's a, a put down. Yes. <clears throat> um, the nation, he continues there, the nation to which Peter refers to here is a spiritual one. It is, in a sense, a secret nation. There's na it's a nation amongst nations, isn't it? <laughs> the church is scattered everywhere. Its fear is in the heavenlies, not the earth. The church. Its enemies are principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of high places. Ephesians 6. That's the enemies. And those enemies are inspiring nations. And even our government today, in legislation, they're trying to pass in ACT. Yeah. <clears throat> Paul spoke of himself as being a nation, this nation's ambassadors. And we we're all Christian ambassadors in this nation we belong to. Its loyalty is to the throne of God, where Christ now sits in glory. We are to obey God rather than men. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4 speak of this. The believers are citizens of this nation. We're not citizens of this world. Its laws are the laws of the kingdom as legislated in the scriptures, Matthew 5 to 7. Its power is, in the, is the power of God. It's not armies. We don't take up the arms. Its people are regenerated sons and daughters of Adam's ruined race, washed in the blood of the Lamb, indwelt by the Spirit of God. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Their ministers are angels of God, as referred to in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and their ultimate home is heaven. This is God's secret nation. This is to whom we belong. Are you glad you're in the nation, the church? And we're not trying to make a nation... And we're not going to start a nation within a nation. We have a nation, and the Lord knows a secret nation. And the soldiers of the church are told not to entangle themselves with the affairs of this world. 
That's what it tells you there in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, or through to 4. So we've got to finish our times up. But there's some wonderful things contained in this portion. Our behaviour as believer priest, we have wonderful position. We have a sublime purpose. We have a God as our sovereign priest and we are a royal priesthood. And we are a selected people, a holy nation. To carry out his will, not like nations do, <laughs> but in a different way, in a, in a spiritual sense. 